Hi, I'm Ryan James. Welcome to the Paper Podcast. Uh, today, to put it everything, you know, the, the the banking world is changing very fast. You know, for a long time, it, it slows and will go years of no change. But, you know, we're today's April 5th, 2023, and we've had a ton of change already in the first, um, first quarter of this year. It's been quite... Um, uh, amazing and entertaining to say the least. So kind of a little bit of a um, state of the um, union address in regards to what kind of seeing regulatory between the states. You know, we're located in Florida and um, nationally there, there's good things. And then there's a lot of things that are, you know, concerning out there too, overall for the banking community. Um one thing that I haven't really seen too much out there is, you know, we have the bank collapses. You've had, you had specifically run on the banks because of fear that they had losses in their bond portfolio. What is amazing to me is that I haven't heard anybody talking about the, the unrealized losses. It's an accounting interest. It's an accounting practice. I haven't heard anybody talk about what about changing the accounting practice and the accounting laws around this, nothing on there. And then two, you know, the regulators encourage, it's very encouraged for banks to load up on bonds for years. I mean, in 2009, the mortgage-backed securities, they were pushing mortgage-backed securities. And the reason being, bonds, typically, depending on the bonds, carry less risk on our balance sheet and on our call report. Um, some bonds carry 50% risk, which means a commercial loan's 100%. So in an effort, you can put more money to work on bonds than you can on loans, and especially on mortgage-backed securities that are risk-weighted at 20%. And of course, rates go up, value goes down, and you can sell it. But the intent for the majority of it, they weren't going to sell. And then you do see some frameworks where the larger banks last year, they were moving accounting industries and saying, yeah, we see this change. So we're going for available to sell to held to maturity. So they made some accounting uh, transitions to see. Overall, I believe the bond portfolios have improved from end of the year to March. So when the next call report comes out and everybody's regular regulators and industry sees, there's probably going to be less AOCI out there, but it's still really amazing to me. Um, we don't need new regulations. What we need the, everybody to do is hold the larger banks to the same standard as everyone else. It is complete other bullshit out there. Uh, I will tell my regulators that to their face, that what we are held to a standard and what they're held to a standard are completely different. Uh, they are much stronger. I don't know it's be if it's because they feel that smaller banks aren't going to spend the money to fight them. Um, or probably, um, you know, incentive wise for regulators, you know, there's no incentive to necessarily approve things. It's just indecision. So after this now, what is really going to happen is any banks that are in great position, any growth that they're going to do or any new products or services going to go out, they're going to go to the regulators. They're going to have conversations. And what's going to happen now is there's just going to be complete lack of indecision. And they're, no one's going to want to approve anything. And it's just going to stall, 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 stall. And there's going to be finger pointing, um, pointing both aisles. Um, give you an example of that. You've got the administration pushing uh, for banks to reduce banking industries and fossil fuels, which, you know, completely disagree with. You've got legal entities and now you've got pressure to making the big banks not bank industries that are legal. Completely ridiculous. That's asinine that that is even coming across the desk. Now you've got 
the state legislature in Florida passing a, a a bill that it looks like it's gonna it has a lot of legs. It's passed through the state house. It's going forward that is going to counteract that. That says you can't deny a bank. I mean, you can't deny a customer based on what business they're in. And, and there's a lot of criteria that you cannot. Uh, you know, the way it reads right now, and it's probably already changed. It's going to change people them. But basically, you can't deny someone because their political opinions, or speech, their affiliations, their religious beliefs. You can't not bank them. So this is even offering just traditional depository accounts. Any factor that is not quantitative, impartial, risk-based standard, any factor that includes a person's business sector, IG, fossil fuels, gun manufacturing, any rating score and analysis or the like based on social credit score. So I get where they're coming from. They don't want to say, hey, you're coming from one angle. You can't bank this industry because we deem that it's not socially uh, responsible. But it's legal and they're still not this. But then on the other hand, it's... they're. Now, this side is doing the exact same thing. So then this is for some banks to bank industries that maybe they're just completely not comfortable with and they have no expertise in. Banks are still private organizations and they should still have a right to bank who they want to. Totally agree with 90% of this. You know, no, you should not base anybody's accepting their deposits, their loans. I mean, it's ridiculous in this day and age that we even have to have someone that we're not going to you know, provide banking services because of their political or social views or anything to that fact. I mean, that never even enters our, our mind when we're approving. We're, we're looking at it at as creditworthy, cash flow, character, character in regards to the way they conduct their, you know, their financial affairs, not character on, I could care less on, you know, their um, beliefs outside of that. We're, we're focusing on what at hand of repayment or conducting your account in good affairs. But on the other hand, if, you know, you've got community banks around the nation, they may not understand the ebb and flow of restaurants. So maybe they just don't do any restaurant financing. How are you going to force them to finance restaurants when they just don't have the expertise in-house? So this is a complete, you know, the pendulum is just swimming back and forth, and this is just overkill on both sides. It is absolutely completely ridiculous, and it's just going to affect everyone. So we've got that going on. We have also have, um, you know, merchant codes. The state are trying to prohibit merchant codes in the credit card systems for isolating out um, uh, credit um, for gun manufacturers and standards for that. I get why they're doing that, because... Their counteract measures because, you know, if they had that merchant coat, then it's easier to force banks not to bank the gun in- industry. So now, you know, everybody's crossing paths on these kind of stuff. It's it's a shame that we have to go through that. Credit unions, they're looking to, to garner and get the approval to get public deposits. Credit unions do not pay income tax. They do not provide the same services. They are not they're not held to the CRA. They're not held to the same standards as banks. If a credit union wants to be a bank, then they need to change carters and they need to start paying income tax like the rest of us. You know, there's no reason why um, Navy Federal Credit Union that is billions of dollars in asset size shouldn't, you know, is not paying income tax. It is a complete ridiculous. Are they only having Navy, retired Navy and families as their, as their members? No. Anybody can get an account there. It's completely ridiculous. If you want to be a bank, then be a bank. Um, so that's what's going on there. Um, another thing, the state that has come to mind is uh, IOTA. So it believes like the state here in Florida, they're trying to pass the uh, lobbying 
for the um, attorneys groups in Florida, um, you know, attorneys hold um, their clients' money and trust sometimes in between payouts. And so that money is aggregated into a bank account. They call standard names IOTA. And um, banks already have a standard of limited things that they can do with that account. They got to pay a reasonable uh, interest rate like you would on another account, different things. But then now um, this rule essentially that it's funny how they want to dictate what banks can get charged when already on these IOTA accounts, sometimes they may carry large balances um, that, um, you know, it's not even. So let me get to it. So this space, um, some portions of the verbiage make it seem like the accounts are transactions. Well, I have to summarize this for you for that. Um, so the Florida Bar Amendments to Rules Regarding the Florida Bar Miscellaneous March 16, effective May 15, 2020 amendment. Amongst other things, the bar has set rules pricing minimums for banks when dealing with IOTA trust accounts. So how is it that the bar can set pricing for banks? There are no authority over banks. I mean, that is just completely ridiculous. Amendment concludes a number of items that, in my opinion, you know, that should take a look at. Um, so, you know, bankers, you need to take a look at this in Florida. Um, you need to speak to your representatives. Um, and, you know, there, there's banks that have a ton of IOTA accounts and that they're already reducing wire fees and these fees. And, you know, they're already providing a ton of free services. So I think this is actually would do more damage, more harm than good. So, um, you know, take a look at this. I haven't seen enough on this in the media. I haven't seen anything in the media. It was brought to it by a colleague. So um, I would love to hear all Florida bankers, you know, what you believe on, um, you know, how the Florida bar is trying to dictate what banks can charge or not charge on IOTA accounts. Um, that's all I got on my mind here today. Please like, subscribe. Um, you know, hit the like button, comment. What would you like to hear about? Um, you know, what's going on in your lives and your banks? What is your field, the regulatory aisle, uh, aisle? Um, you know, there, there's a lot to go over. Um, ultimately, you know, I think the fed is doing a disservice to banking on their comments. They insured all the deposits and said, Oh, well, we're not quite sure what we're going to do in deposits. So you had a mass exodus of, deposits from larger regional banks to the top four. So you've got the top largest banks growing larger in share um, because of Fed comments. What they're doing is very disastrous. And, you know, it does paint uh, a bleaker picture over the years for smaller banks. You know, it, it's going to be harder. Investors that would look to starting a small bank, um, it's going to be harder for them. Their returns are going to be reduced. And the future looks bleak. So what they're doing is bad for the consumers, bad for small businesses. You need to encourage. Community banks have never created these crises. They didn't create the last crisis. They didn't create this crisis. They are managed well. We've got the strongest banking system in the United States. And the backbone are the smaller community banks. We need to incentivize and push it. There needs to be, you know, we're held to the high standards as far as management, but yet, um, you know, we're, we're, we're treated poorly because they can easily kind of run over us because, you know, we are smaller, but yet they'll let Silicon Valley Bank do whatever the hell they want 
and let them push, you know, social agendas that really just brought them down in their own community, you know, brought them down. So, um, you know, there's plenty of regulations. They need to manage those regulations already. And, uh, you know, that's it for today. Thank you.